You're listening to Brave New Words, and we're all still alive. Yay! So, um, we are substantially lost. We still haven't found out where on earth we are. We're still in another big room full of books. There's lots of books. Uh, and we'll be judging them shortly. Um, but I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... Producer Al. I'm Ross. And I'm Del. On today's show, we are doing a thing called Judge a Book, which if you're a regular of the show, you'll know all about. Uh, we take a big pile of books and we judge them by their covers. A kind of sort of judge them by their covers we kind of get involved especially if we know what they are but mostly we judge them um so if you're new to the show this is a book show uh if you've come to us via the wonky spanner or from starburst magazine welcome uh we are a genre book show by which we mean we read books you know um but first a jingle this this is Fabrian international that was a jingle. That was a jingle. Yay! Um, so, shall we get on with the, the world of books? And Show books? me a book! Yes, indeed. Um, I think the jingles are following us to Wales Place. <laughs> yeah. The jingles are following us to Wales Place. Can we use the jingles to find our way back? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, it's red. It, it's very red. Uh, this is The Red Gods Are Rising. By Anna Stevens. Now it says God Blind on the spine. Does that mean there's a series called God Blind and this is a book within it? So I'll be reviewing God Blind in a show coming forward at some point. Okay. That is an arc for God Blind. Uh huh. Um, but it's mostly red. It's exceptionally red. Um, but with your standard kind of black and grey thing going on as well. Yes. Um, I would I would assume there's a fairly high level of murder in this book because of all the red because of all the red um, and the fact that the the opening line on the back of the book is bathed in blood. Okay. Um, I, I've glimpsed at the first couple of pages. That's yeah. That's what <laughs> uh, I'm also going to say because of the particular way the back cover has been designed, um, fire. Fire. Yeah, fire. It's, it's, it's red fire on a black background. It's spitting yeah. ash and things. There is a um, moon on the front. Oh, also, I'm going to say, um, oh, oh, there's a different version. Oh, there's a different arc. American arc, British arc. Oh, oh. The American arc has a bird on the front. It does. It, which is probably like a bit of an eagle type thing. So, God bless America. There is also a sort of John Pertwee vortex style thing going. That's on. the words I was I was aiming for. Yes. Yeah. So the, the the British arc doesn't actually have the title on the front cover. Has it on the spine? Has it on the spine? Oh, yeah. Just I'd have, I'd have assumed. So, so Godblind is, God yes. is the title. The Red Gods Are Rising is the subtitle, or is it the a tagline? A yeah, mission statement. Mission yes, I'm not confused. Right. Okay. The British version as well. I have no idea what that story is from that front cover. Um, it's got some kind of patterned motif on it, but I couldn't. It's not enough for you to be like, oh, this is Norse. This is Aztec. Um, it's, I, as, as Ross says, it could very well be Gallifreyan. Yeah. Gallifreyan blood sacrifice is a mess. Yeah. Colour me interested. How does Gallifreyan blood sacrifice work? Um, okay, have you read the Faction Paradox book? I haven't, but I'm imagining that you stab frequently and you stab op- uh, often. 
Because <laughs> that's <laughs> also true. Because he creates his foot, he regenerates. He creates his foot again, he regenerates. You get the foot of the donkey he's regenerated into, possibly because he realizes he's being sacrificed. His next choice is an elephant. Yeah. Can I just say, you get a lot more information on the back of the American one than you do on the British one. I like a lot more. Like it actually is gives that, you some in, insight into the plot. Is, is that, that because the British one is teasing you? Is the British one that, one, that one's definitely a teasing arc? Whereas mm. I think this is an un uh, uh, like a almost a com- commercial version, uncorrected bound galley apparently. So that's pretty much what it's going to be when it comes out into the shops. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yes, I've read Godland. We'll talk about it in a short at some point. Okay. Um, it's grimdark. It's grimdark fantasy. Okay. Um, and it's really bloody, really, really bloody. Um, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> Ross, you have yes. a book. I have a book. It's called Atom Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have I pronounced that right? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> have I pronounced it with the right inflections and everything? Yeah. Uh, the tagline or subtitle: "Dark Tales of the Secret from the Secret War," edited by John Houlihan. Modifius Entertainment. Hang on, that's that looks a little a, bit Egyptian. This, this is a bit gamey. Then, if it's Modifius, they they have a publishing on. Okay, should I read the blurb on the back? You might as well. Yeah, inside there are thirteen stories set in the universe of Acton Cthulhu, a world which mixes the terrors of H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu mythos with mankind's darkest yet finest hour, the Second World War. So, what is actually on the cover? Oh, um, it's a bit Egyptiany. It's it's it yeah, it's a sphinx with it. Nose a bit different. It's a sphinx, with but it's a Cthulhu. Cthulhu yeah, sphinx. with the, the tentacles and but, yeah. But Actung is not an Egyptian word. No, no, <laughs> no. not at all. For that matter, I'm not sure Cthulhu is an Egyptian. Oh, maybe it is a tank. Maybe it's that whole because like weren't the Nazis obsessed with ancient Egypt? They were obsessed with the occult. Or may, oh, is that just the Indiana Jones movie? They were obsessed, the, the obsessed with the occult. There was a specific part of uh, the. Nazis called the Field Society, which was a mystery cult um, that dealt with the, the the secrets of the ancients. And Hitler Hitler totally bought into, or the way the story goes, to Hitler totally bought into the idea that there was a you know the cult secrets from the ancients and that the whole Aryan master race kind of Atlanteans nonsense was part of part of what they were into. Um, there is real world history. There was a British cult society. And whereas there were a whole bunch of German occultists who were using woo to make sure that they would win, there were a whole lot of British occultists who were using their woo to make sure that they would that the British would prevail instead. So there was a there was an occult secret war. It's entirely up to you how you yeah. seriously you take that. Yeah. Uh, but that there, there's 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 memoirs on or from all sides. There's memoirs mm. and essays and primary source information. That says that was a thing that was definitely happening at the time. Yeah, and it's inspired some interesting things as well. Like if you think like BPRD, that all comes from that idea of if the Nazis are using paranormal things, then America should be using paranormal things. Oh look, we found Hellboy. <laughs> if, Lovely. If they have a summoning circle, we should have a summoning circle, <laughs> and it should be bigger. <laughs> so is this an actual book or is it a graphic novel? Because from the cover, oh. it looks like it could be a graphic novel. It does look. But no, it looks like no, it's no, a natural book. Words. Full of words. 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 No pictures. No pictures. No. Yeah, occasional icons, but no. symbol. Yeah. yeah. It looks silly. Oh, I think that's looking expect... very Nazi-esque in the in the little bits of symbol things. Yeah, that's what I'm putting. So, 
There's a, it, there's it's, a, it's more the Iron Eagle, I think, which is being used as a chapter divider. Yes. Okay. I would expect silly fun. Yes. From this. It looks, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a tank. Everyone loves a tank. Is um, that a tiger? Yeah. I am holding Shattered Minds by Laura Lamb. Um, the cover is an eye with a perspective kind of motif coming uh, off from around it. It's very silver and black, so quite monochrome. Um, I would be interested enough to turn it over, which I'm, I'm going to do. And it says, she died for freedom, but can she save others from herself? I'd read it from that. Um, I'm quite, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's coming from being a teenager with a love of Christopher Pike, but stories where the main character potentially is already dead. Um, um, I'm up for um, yeah Laura Laura Lamb sounds familiar I feel like I have held and judged one of her books before I think we was were, she Karen, Karen what I think you we've reviewed some of her stuff before yeah and she's with Tor so definitely Sean that author yeah she's is always... Laura Lamb the one with all the female characters on the front cover oh yes is that who that oh. is I dr- Another book you Dra- Dracul. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that? um. That's no. No. Is that, no. Oh, I know the name. I'm going to have to Google it while someone else is, is judging a yeah. book. But also, like, this, it's reflecting off your face. It is reflecting <laughs> off my face. I would get good light a, from this. Yeah. This would be a good book. holiday book for lots of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, ne- the next sentence like, the girl should feel fear, but there is nothing. Nothing until there is. Yeah, I'm, I've bought into this. I would read this. It's not, even though this is a hardback, and we know that I'm not always a big hardback fan because I drop them on my face, this is quite light. <laughs> um, I would still read this. It's a very light hardback. So what are you doing to drop hardback books on I your face? I tend to lie down quite a lot while I read and hold books above yep. my head, like this. Right. But I also have dyspraxia, so I let go. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> I, 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 I have... That my glasses have been pushed firmer and firmer into the bridge of my nose several <laughs> times because I do the thing where I'll read and then you know I'll read and I'll be very comfortable. I'll be like, ah, and then I get a bit sleepy and then <laughs> I hit myself with like the top of spine like that mm. and I'll just like it'll just swing. It'll just yeah. gently swing and there's no way you can stop this at this point because no. gravity is not on your side. Nor is gravity ever your friend. No. And then smack. And then you're awake again, and you can read the book. Because only what it is, if I'm a bit tired, I just I'll, I'm quite I want my arms up in the air, like it makes me feel more comfortable. Um, so yeah, it just all kind of ties into that, I think. But yeah, I'm, judging this solely from its cover, I would absolutely read this. It appears to I would just oh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say YA. Just ah, I think something about it I feels think, YA. I think she's a YA there's a there's and a blurb the chapters about the author. don't look massive. They, the chapters like going through each chapter appears to ha- start with a girl's name. There's a there's so a, I don't know whether that's that's ch- telling you who the perspective is going to be in this book. There's a convenient thing. There is indeed. Raised in San Francisco, California, by two former high Ashbury hippies. Um, Why do they always tell us this? Both of them encouraged her to finger paint to her heart's desire, colour outside the lines and consider the library a second home. This led to an overabundance of daydreams. She relocated to Scotland to be with her husband. 
whom she wow. met on the internet when he insulted her taste in books. She almost blocked him, but glad she didn't. Um, at times, she misses the sunshine. I'm going to see if there's That's like a a, other things from the author because this is going to do my head in. No, I don't recognise any of those titles. Uh, but you've got the Micah Gray trilogy, Pantomime, Shadowplay, Masquerade, False Hearts. And ah, Masquerade. We've... Have we reviewed yeah, Masquerade? Yeah, we've reviewed Masquerade. Oh, okay. reviewed Masquerade, which is why yes, we're all looking very yes. confused. She's not here. Yeah. Because she's currently in Atlantis. Yeah, who knows? She's she's with some other books somewhere <laughs> else. Uh, but yeah, I would read that, definitely. So, judged, judged cute. So, I have in my hand... It's a book, a uh, book called book? Virology. Um, Interesting, because I'd have gone virology. I'd have said virology. I said vir- virology. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ren Warren. I, I adore Ren Warren. She writes some fantastic stuff. Um, she her previous book was Escapology, which had a shark on the front. Uh, this one has a bear on the front. Therefore, it wins. Oh. It's, it's a polar bear with like bloody teeth, but it's all it's all digital. Um, Dan triangles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mm. It's it's all polygony. Yeah, because it it's so I'm just judging from the cover, but I, I've read the previous book, so I kind of I've got an advantage here because it's wide drawings of skyscrapers and it's um, a polar bear that made it made out of polygons, um, and it's a vast kind of area. I'm guessing that this is cyberpunk, which is fine oh. because it says if you love love good cyberpunk, you'll adore this Starburst magazine on Escapology. So yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know what these triangles and things on the front cover moment. It's um, it strikes me as um, a little bit sort of mid thirties architectural style. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, like Art Deco. Yes, those are the words I'm grasping for. And I would assume because of the red stuff coming from the polar bear's mouth that the polar bear has a virus. Oh. Yeah. Um, it is actually about um disease I'm reading the blurb mm-hmm. uh, it's been four weeks since shock power broke open the virtual world of the slip uh, with broken bioware uh, with the broken, broken bioware emblem in his head he controls all the world's systems and so the shadiest characters in Foon Gung are desperate to track him down shock and the hornets are running out of places to hide really liked virology um, sorry escapology mm-hmm. um, which was a proper cyberpunk book proper gritty cyberpunk novel which you just don't get anymore because People have gone, Cyberpunk is dead. It's dead. And it's like, no, it's not. We, no. Just, we just have the internet now. It's is it a series? This or... is book two. Okay, so it is book two. Um, it, there's nothing on here that tells you it's book two. Boo! Except... But the fact that you've got reviews from the previous things. Yes, except... But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the same story. Or... Uh, and that, that the, you know, the previous book is there. If you see what I mean. that... That could just also be, this author has also written. Yeah. Yeah. And you get just because something's set in the same same world doesn't mean it's not standalone. I I have a feeling actually this probably would work okay as a standalone. Okay. Because um, isn't Emma Newman writing things within her same world, but it's a separate story? Yes, mm-hmm. I haven't actually got into the split worlds because they get lost very easily. It happens regularly. Um, actually, when we were at Sledge Lit, I think me and Ross went to a talk about can can fantasy be anything other than a series. Something along those lines. Because yeah, because a lot of authors get commissioned to you rule write as a trilogy. Yeah, really. But okay. the story's done. But one of the things that you have is because an author has created this world. These worlds are really important to them, and you can't just let them lie. And so, 
there are other stories to be told in that world. Mm. So they're standalone, but they're still technically a series. Yeah. Because they're set in that space. But it's also, you know, if, if book one and two don't sell well enough, book three doesn't happen. Yes. Which, mm-hmm. which is also a... That, yeah. That's Baden's model. Uh, Baden Publishing, which are part of the Rebellion, which are 2008, is their most famous brand. Mm. Um, their model is they will... They will give you work for hire money, so they'll pay you for your idea for a world. Then they'll take your world off you and invite other people to write in the world. But you've sold that world to them, so it's like you yeah. know what you're getting into. And the thing is, they don't—they say that, but they don't really do that. Um, they've done it with a couple of series, so they've, they've got like a zombie series that's popular, and they've got a series of um, essentially god punk series as well. But the rest of them, you just look at it and you go. Eh. No, and I think it's because a lot of authors who are willing to do work for hire aren't willing to spend that much effort on world building, if you see what I mean. Mm. But anyway. Um, yeah. um, um, oh. I have Before the Flood, The Seraph Chronicles Book 4 by John Houlihan, who's the same guy who did your Cthulhu Yeah, thing? he edited the Cthulhu. He, the he has a short story in it as well. Okay, it? so the front cover... Looks a little bit forty k ish. There's, it's all in a bit shadowy. It's it's blue and grey on the whole colour hue thing. Um, it's an ocean. Yeah, there's um, what might or might not be an ocean. People coming out of it. Uh, a castle on a rocky. Look over there, a bunny. Hang on, there's a bunny. Oh, it's very cute though. <laughs> right, sorry, you were saying. So I'm slightly confused because I'm not sure that the title really massively fits with the image um because there's already a flood yeah <laughs> yeah um so the back the year of 2034 but there's a drowning isle cataclysmic rave destroyed her cities okay so dystopian thing uh raising the sea level by 60 meters uh floods brought albion to her knees okay that suggests it's maybe a bit hippie-ish because of the use of the word albion um uh, malevolent sea creatures coasts um, so we've got zombie sea creature things or something yeah. um, mankind needs to fear the sea and avoid the water so it's a whole Britain is an island thing which might be slightly topical with Brexit things going on when a mysterious island surfaces off the coast of Wales a small team of British militia under the command of the war weary veteran Sergeant Emma Stokes is dispatched to investigate this new threat uh, so I'm intrigued by mysterious island surfaces off the coast of Wales because Wales has a number of little islands on it, around it that've got all sorts. Of... Why is it a threat? Yeah, there's a bit of an assumption there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And why did a rise in seawater lead to zombie monsters? I feel like I need more information yeah. than I'm being given. Well, if there were zombie monsters in general, then just a rise of water would make them more dangerous. Oh, we've now got a major the, seraph. The we've got hidden mm-hmm. fortress city of Gwald. Apologies for the almost certainly poor Welsh pronunciation there uh, so yeah so like the use of Albion and the use of the uh, Welsh thing uh, and the, yeah it seems like there's a lot going on here in what is a quite thin actual yeah. book um, and this is like book four in a series so I'm going to say that you probably need to know what on earth is going on in the world yeah that makes more sense actually my questions have probably been answered in the first three probably previously on there was a Doctor <laughs> Who episode a couple of years ago called Before the Flood, which was the second part after Under the Lake. Which one was Before the Flood? Mm. What, what was the plot? Um, did right. Rory Under, die? 
No, it was oh. after it was after Rory. It was a 12th, who was the Doctor? The Twelfth Doctor. It was Peter Capaldi. Okay. Um, it was only two years ago. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so it was last series. So, uh, yeah. So the, there's an underwater base, and there's there's stuff going on in there. Oh. And then the second episode, they go back in time to before there was a lake, where before the flood happened, and they do something else. Um. Ah, that one. With the yeah, and the the it had David Williams in it as a coward. I haven't seen uh, that one, I don't think. Same species, different... No, different, different actor. If, yeah, it wasn't David Williams' one from that. I think it was, but it had, the, it had the alien whose who's, uh, interplanetary anthem is, or planetary national anthem, is Hail to Whoever's Just Invaded Us. Yeah. I think See, I've just read the opening line of chapter one and it says, this is the voice of the free BBC. Um... Uh, so um, I'm sensing like a bit of a conspiracy theory, paranoid future thing going on. I, I wonder whether it might wrong, annoy me. This is the voice of BBC Three, surely. Well, that's moved online. Oh, that's alright. I'm not gonna lie, I wouldn't read it. Yeah, I think it'd be a push for me to. I might read the first one to figure out what it's about, but I suspect I might get angry with it relatively quickly. Ross, you have a book. Yes, I might get angry with this one as well. Um, it's it's got the word Sherlock at the top. It's well in the middle. Uh, it's got a picture of Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Martin Freeman as Sherlock and John. It's the Essential Arthur Conan Doyle Adventures Volume Two, selected and introduced by Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat. Which makes you think if you were going to read actual Sherlock Holmes stories, why wouldn't you read Sherlock Holmes ones? You don't need them to introduce it for you. So this is that not what that is then? To I me, mean, that sounds like just a collection of some Arthur Conan Doyle with a foreword. Yeah, yeah, but which, which, which means that they can get rights money off it. Yeah, it's just the, uh, it's just the trying it's just the the imagery suggesting it's a tie into the recent TV series rather than it being actually about the. But maybe the it's, era in that case, are these the stories that the TV series, the TV stories are based on? Because the first well, two series the wasn't it? Yeah, they yeah. were. Well, they're no, connected. They well, they're connected throughout, really. Yeah. Well, it's okay, by Arthur Conan Doyle. It is by Arthur. Yeah, the content of this book is, you know, going to be a hundred and something years old. That's uh, clever. So the tie-in novel, sure, like the TV series, they went back in time. Also, um, apparently, it's a long. This has been hanging around, waiting to be judged for a long time because it was published like June last year. Lol. <laughs> Maybe we didn't quite get that far in the box. Yeah, the no. second of two volumes of Arthur Conan Doyle's original stories featuring the legendary detective Sherlock Holmes uh, begins with Silver Blaze and ends with Sherlock's final appearance in The Adventure of the Dying Detective. That's not his final adventure. Oh, my, oh sorry. My, yes, yeah, sorry. I'm thinking of the Rackenback one. Which is the false last appearance. Yeah. Well, at the time it wasn't. Yeah, well. At the time it was supposed to be. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. But but fandom. Yes, the hit but BBC fandom. series, the hit BBC series Sherlock, has introduced a whole new generation of fans to Arthur Conan Doyle's work. Uh, each story has been selected and introduced by Sherlock co-creators Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss. This wealth collection welcomes readers into the world of Sherlock Holmes and provides them with a curated masterclass in crime fiction. So, I personally think that's quite a clever way to get people to read stories that they probably wouldn't have. Yes. I think more people will put, pick that book up because it looks like that than will pick up a book that is Arthur Conan Doyle yes. and the Baskervilles. Agreed. Judging it by the cover, mm-hmm. I would immediately assume that it's Benedict. You know, it's got something to do with the TV series and Benedict Cumberbatch. I would assume and that the stories which, in it were about a show like that was modern era. That's which, what I'm yeah. yeah. Which it, it does, but you know, slightly... 
uh, you know, because yeah, as you say, because it's the modern Sherlock, you're like, mm. oh, but again, it's to draw me in. You know, Martin Freeman yeah. and Benedict Cumberbatch are luring me back to the Victorian period. It's a it's very a good, good picture. It's a very good picture. It's <laughs> exceptionally good picture. It isn't of the Kutero characters from the you know from the, from the Abominable Ride. If they pick that episode to, put, to pick the two characters, considering they were dressed in Victorian garb when they did that episode, that might have been that would a be good more idea. honest. Yeah. But no, I don't. I don't think it's an honesty issue. The TV series is based on these stories, and I'm assuming that the foreword will be all about these are the stories that have inspired the, th- the if, program you have watched. If ITV was relaunching the their Sherlock stuff, I forget the guy's name, Brett. Jeremy Brett. Jeremy, Jeremy Brett. Brett. I've, I, I'm. I'm sure. I might have hallucinated it, but I'm sure I've seen a Jeremy Brett covered Sherlock Holmes book at some point. Almost certainly. So you know, it's not, it's not a massive push, really. No, it's just it's a book with a foreword. But just that... because of who wrote the foreword, you can attach it to a TV series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is okay. I think we just have different views. Yeah. I think it's a way of introducing the stories, people, stories to people who wouldn't have otherwise read them. No. Um, I've got a comic. I think I haven't opened it. I think it's a comic book, but it's the X Files. Earth children are weird, and it's got a really tiny Mulder and Scully on the front. Aww. And Mulder's wearing a little alien badge, and, and they're wearing little matching cons. And she's got a Mac on. Nah. Based on the characters created by Chris Carter, illustrated by Kim Smith. I don't actually tell you who's written it, so I'm assuming this is just a ghostwriter. Um, Ooh, <laughs> brilliant! Um, so from the cover, yeah, I I wouldn't I would buy it for someone. I wouldn't buy it for myself, but if I had it in my hands, I would I would definitely read it. There's like a beam of light coming at them, and they look really intrigued and scared. And they're shining their torches in a cross X pattern. Oh, as well. Yeah, and then the I'd back so cover is like a that. house with some trees and there's little eyes shining out of the trees um the tagline is the truth is out there brackets in the backyard (laughs) (laughs) oh you know what i don't think i've ever actually seen an episode of x files and i'm culturally aware of it and i just read the life out of that that looks cute as all heck the classic television show x files is now a sweet silly sci-fi bedtime story Best friends Dana and Fox have pitched a tent in the backyard for an overnight sleepover, but the night is full of strange sounds, lights, and shadows. Surely there's a rational, scientific explanation for everything. Or is there? <laughs> oh, it's so cute! Oh, uh, yeah, this is just very cute and lovely. Um, I would maybe buy it for children that I would trust to be able to watch the series because i used to watch x-files when i was very little but some of my friends in some circles i'm quite young (laughs) Um, but some of my friends didn't because they found it absolutely terrifying and um but i think even the scary episodes i was that i was at that age where i was like well it's just it's just telly um i would maybe not buy it because i think some kids then might want to watch the show yeah. so I wouldn't buy it for kids so I wouldn't be happy watching the show yeah some some kids are definitely yeah oh, when I was little it was Blake 7 it was the scary show that I was allowed providing I wasn't too scared my parents didn't monitor my telly so 
I just watched whatever I wanted. My parents saw the monitors in my telly and they remembered to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, it could have gone horribly wrong. But, yeah, I was fine. This, Yeah, this is exceptionally cute. Buy this for your nerdy little kids that you know. Well, buy it for yourself. It's oh, yeah, horrible. buy it for yourself as well. It's quick books. If you need an excuse. <laughs> it's quick books, I think, which are um, quirky. That's the things that are I have in my hand something very exciting. Uh, it is an ARC for a book that's coming out in September by yeah. a guy called C. Robert Cargill, who we really liked. Yeah. Um, uh, I imagine that I will get wrestled by Cy the next time he's in one of our book nooks. Um, because, but it's not, it's not a um, sequel to his previous two books. It's not a sequel it's- to... Shadows, and it's not a sequel to The Queen of Dark Things so it doesn't have a magical talk- talking dog or wizard or a genie or any of that it's called From the Sea of Rust so judging by the cover we've got uh, at the very top we've got Verdigree which is what we call Rusty Copper um, mm. and then we've got Rusty Copper and then we've got Rust and then we've got The Sun or possibly a nuclear explosion it's hard to tell it's just a big dormy thing of light and then we've got Wasteland, lots of Wasteland and bits and things. And then we've got your robot arm reaching out into the light and we turn the book round and it's more rust and Wasteland. And it's called Sea of Rust, which would give us a hint. Mm. Uh, welcome to a world without humans. Ooh. Humanity is extinct. So it's blank. Oh, uh, humanity is extinct. Wiped out in a global uprising by the very machines made to save them. Now the world is controlled by one world intelligences, vast mainframes that have assimilated the minds of millions of robots. But not all robots are willing to trade their individuality and brittle, a loner and a scavenger, focused solely on survival is one of the holdouts. Is this Wally? I was about to say like but Wally's on his own though, isn't he? There's no there's no one else. Like he doesn't even have have other robots. There were supposed to be other robots. Yeah, but they all just, it's been so long, hasn't it? Mm. They've all just fallen into disrepair and it's just him on his own still compacting his trash. Um, oh, I just, I love it. And don't get me wrong, I think the whole film is great, but you could just, I could just watch that beginning bit, like, forever. They could have just kept that going on, shown him finding things, compacting bits, collecting others, and I'd have been a very happy little girl. Um, From the critically acclaimed author of Dreams and Shadows and the screenwriter of Doctor Strange and Sinister comes an incredible story it's very interesting because if you think this story has technically removed all human elements but it's difficult to have a story you can invest in without it so there must be anthropomorphication throughout well it is a human looking hand on the front there is but it's obviously um it's a a robot robot. well it is but yeah i mean the one thing i Noted before you said it was a robot is that because the robot joints are you know they're sort of narrowed joints between the knuckles, sort of connecting the knuckles and things you've got a little, a little more light shining around that part and I didn't know whether that was part of sort of the radiating sun part of it mm. just around the human hand and it's not it's because it's, it's, it's a, a robot joint it's but very almost Android-y. a cybernetic androidy hand yeah, yeah it's androidy yeah but because there's sorry I now have I now have they might be giants sitting in my head and I'm thinking you know that in a future time children will work together to build a giant cyborg but that's just me sorry no, 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 I think other people will join you in building a giant cyborg. Robot parade, robot parade, wave the flag that the robot made. <laughs> I would read it solely because I'm interested how a story with no human element would go, because obviously it's going to be telling a human story. I just really like the colours. And yeah, the colours are very pretty. Charlie Strauss did a similar idea with uh, one of his one of his sci-fi books, 
and one of the main characters was a sex robot mm. in the far future where there was no humanity anymore. Oh. So it's a very lonely sex robot. Oh. <laughs> Mankind had been wiped out. I think sometimes when you get that sort of thing, your head goes to Aristotle, doesn't it? That idea that something that isn't fulfilling its purpose doesn't have a soul. And it's like, if you have one function and you literally can't perform that function, what are you for? Oh. I know. That sad little sex robot. Like a a broom with no bristles. (laughs) Oh. Uh, yes, sorry. Um, is this like, hang on? Was this is this like a standalone or is this a series or what? It's a standalone. Oh, okay. By by that very lovely American man we've met a couple yeah. of times. Uh, this is Tales of the Mouse and Minotaur. Ooh, Ooh which is Ooh. blue and yellow in hue, collected by Adele Waring. This is um, is this a fox spirit? Oh, it must be a fox spirit. It's a fox spirit. This is is this continuing? Uh, hang on, they, they did a previous one called Tales of the Nun and Dragon. Um, it's oh. it's part of the other set of. Is, is that the bookmark? That is bookmark. You just took it out. Yeah, it's because I'll read it again. I've read it anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, so is, is, uh, is the Mouse and Minotaur a pub? <laughs> it, it's not. It's it tales. It's tales. Or, it tales on the theme of mice and dinosaurs. So there was, yeah, the nun and dragon was about nuns and dragons. Yeah. So yes, it's the same sort of idea. Mm. Uh, tales of mice and dinosaur. Uh, if memory serves, um, I at least a review of this on Starburst magazine is generally mouse themed, dinosaur themed. So there's a great story about a gorgon, for example, in there because that's vaguely. Greek myth themed as well. Yeah, having a quick flute to the introduction, um, the Nun and Dragon and Fox and Fay are the other two in the trilogy of anthologies. Um, so yes. so okay. it's so we've got a little mouse holding what appears to be a diamond. Uh is it diamond cheese? It's glowing cheese in the hand of a minotaur. Uh, we've got a minotaur reaching out to it with glowing red eyes. Oh, right. Um Do Minotaurs like cheese? Why not? Why not? I suppose um, I suppose they can have easy access to cheese. Somebody, somebody's plainly had a go at the Minotaur because it's got half an arrow sticking out of various parts of it. Um, I'm going to speculate that this probably isn't my thing personally, mm. but if this was the sort of thing I was into, I think I'd be well up for it. Um, oh. I feel like it's quite a thin book for what appears to have a lot of stories in it. Oh, it's a relatively small print. Okay. Oh, and small margins. Okay. And small margins. This is efficient use of space. Well done. Yes. It's it's fox spirit, and what they do is really cool books that you can slip into your trench coat and look pretentiously cool. Like. Excellent. Uh, they're also really good stories, but you can be like, "Hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm hip with the indie book scene." There's fourteen stories in out here. of your jacket. There's fourteen stories in here, and and oh, one of them's quite long. One of them's like. 30 pages the rest is <laughs> much shorter um, I think mostly. shall we do the thing that we do within the office where we have a quick flip and see if there's anyone we know oh the Sarah Corkwell alright excellent uh, Katie Davis yeah we know Katie yeah Katie was at um, Pat, Pat Sledge, Sledge, Pat Kelleher yeah. yeah we know Pat Pat's been on the show Ooh. Uh, oh Ben Stewart never heard of him <laughs> Yay, in jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, hi, hi, Ben. Um, Ben's been in on the scene for a very long time and is a lovely chap uh, and should write more. But there we go. Um, just well, what, all, just what really? authors needed to hear from the radio <laughs> program. You should write more, like you didn't already know that. <laughs>
Shall we? Shall we move on? Uh, I have here Mike Resnick's "The Castle of in Cassiopeia," which has more soldiers on the front. No, it has people with guns on the front because that doesn't want a body fully plate body on. Lots of cleavage and arms. Yeah, that's they've not dressed for the battle that they appear to have armed themselves for. No, they're expecting to get shot. Isn't Cassiopeia a constellation? Yeah, yes, but isn't it a constellation named after Greek mythology? Oh, almost certainly. Is this of the same series of of the Fortress in Orion? Um, It says it's Dead Enders Book (laughs) 3. Right. I don't know if Dead Enders Books 1 and 2 includes the Fortress of Orion. I think it does. Okay, that will explain that. They are in front of a thing. There's... What would you say that... Machiny bits? Machiny bits? Sort of crystalline looking? There's some... Yeah, it's a dark black blue slash background techie... Mm. I don't know, something background... She's um, about to go into battle, but she has not forgotten to accessorise. So, some good necklace wearing there. Yep. And they're all in all black, because, obviously... But, you know, no, all black because, you know, we're going into, I don't know, a night mission. But she's got bright red hair. Yeah, bright because, red hair. Yeah. Lots of skin on show. So, definitely prepared for battle there. Um, There's a man with bare arms with a tattoo. As in, his arms are bare. Oh, yes. Than, yeah, he's... Rather he's genetic. Yeah, he He's, yeah, he's not augmented with there, there, there are tattoos. Yeah, he's got a tattoo. Okay. He's got a tattoo of Actually, the sun. Yeah, there, there, there is, yeah, there is a... The, the image is slightly awkward because I can't tell if that's... He's got a tattoo of a sun on his arm or she's wearing some kind of sun around her elbow. I think he has a tattoo of a sun on his arm. Okay. He has very vascular forearms as well. Do they all have guns? They, yes. all have guns. they all have guns. Literally, the men have a gun in each hand and she has a smaller gun in her right hand and she's wearing a bracelet. So she has very well accessorised for this battle. And the plunge, plunging neckline. The plunging neckline. She does have a hip holster on, but I think... So maybe she has two guns. She just doesn't need both of hers in her hands yet. Because she's being more resourceful. I shall have a, gla- a glance at the back. A crisis has arisen. On their first mission as a team, uh, Pretorius and his dead-enders kidnap the real General Mishkag and substitute a clone who's been raised and trained in a democracy. But now they found that the clone likes to be the most powerful man in the Hundred World Transgay Coalition, and having been raised on Earth, he knows how humans think and react. This becomes a many-layered problem for Pretorius and what is left of his dead-enders. As the only humans on a totally militarised alien world, they must first find where the best-guarded member of the enemy's military, Mitch Kag, is hiding, and how many aliens or regiments or divisions are guarding him, and then they must find a way past all these lines of defence to kill or capture him. Okay. I, I don't... I don't like those sentences. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but I don't like those sentences. I occasionally okay. struggle with... I, I call it capital letter syndrome. It's, you know, you, there's too many capital letters <laughs> you know, you, you, where you get introduced to too many things and you've got to suddenly work out. Yeah. Right, what, what does that refer to? What's quite interesting as well is from what you've read, I couldn't tell you what the first two books about, from this series were about. So potentially, it's you see, you see, I, I, I can't tell what the previous two books. It's every book that Mike Resnick has ever written, written, with the exception of about three or four. Okay. So one of my favourite sci-fi books is a book by Mike Resnick called Ivory, which is really good. Mm-hmm. It's really clever, and it's like a history of the ages through um, essentially a, a, a sacred elephant is killed, these t- tusks are taken, and the the ivory tusks survive into mankind's journey into the stars if you see what I mean okay. and there's kind of like a curse going on with the tusks and there are lots of short stories that are all about this ivory okay. brilliant book I think it was about a thing called I um, might get the name wrong uh, Sulico which is a similar sort of you know epic 
space commonwealth story. Everything else has been about ladies with plunging necklines uh, and men who shoot things. Uh. The next line on the back cover is Matt Resnick has won an impressive five Hugos and has been nominated for 30, 31 more. That's What? Yeah. So Nomi- 36 so Hugo nominations for, in total. Yeah, 36 Hugo nominations of which he's won five. Yep. That's some impressive statistics there. That is quite a lot. <laughs> but that also means that he's written at least 36 books. Yeah, well, it, goes, it does go on to say he's written, sold 61, sorry, 69 science fiction novels Good and please. more than 250 short stories. The man's a machine. And edited 40 anthologies. Is he also a writer sleep? for hire? Yes. Yeah, there we are. Um, he, he's pretty much a word cannon. A <laughs> word cannon, brilliant. Okay. I've got a book with a poem about it! Well, it's Philip Pullman. Um, that, that was only intelligible to bats. It's not. Possibly. It's not Philip Pullman. <laughs> uh, I've got that wasn't a intelligible to bats. That was, there was a book. wall in front of me in bat. <laughs> I've got a big blue book with a big polar bear on it. Um, I have Darkness Visible uh, by Nicholas Tucker. The uh, So it's essential reading ahead of the Book of Dust. I'm not going to lie. I'm really, I'm really confused. Darkness Visible, Philip Pullman and Dark Materials. Is this a book about Philip Pullman? I think it's a book about the works of Philip Pullman. Yeah. So what the back says, what do Philip Pullman and J.K. Rowling have in common that has made both of their stories so successful? What does Pullman listen to while he writes? And who or what is Dust? Um, so Pullman's award-winning trilogy as Dark Materials has been appreciated by readers of all ages. It's now set to welcome new fans as it is adapted for television by the BBC in 2018. Um, the first part of this long-awaited new trilogy, The Book of Dust, will also see publication. Nicholas Tucker, a leading authority on children's literature, writes about the man he knew, he knows as a friend and explores the world of science, theology, imagination and adventure that Philip Pullman has created including a personal interview of Pullman himself, Darkness Visible offers a unique exploration of the author's work and its controversies. Um, so yeah, it looks like it's let me tell you about his dark materials. It's a 100,000 word essay on his dark materials. Yeah. With an interview. It's, it's a thesis, essentially. It was more exciting when we thought it was about polar bear. I was so excited. It's very, very pretty. It is. Um, I, like, I, I like the blue. The cover is beautiful, mm. but also... The cover in no way suggests that this isn't fiction, which I think is an error, personally. Mm. So um, if it was a polar bear at a typewriter? If it was a polar bear at a typewriter. Um, but I think in terms of, obviously, this show is about judging books by their cover, and the whole reason why... <laughs> Sorry. Ed is doing good radio and is currently trying to be a polar bear on a typewriter. Um, it's interesting he's got very frustrated with the typewriter <laughs> um, it's an old school typewriter yeah, as well we love these judge a book by their cover shows because I think most of the time when we do them as well we make the point that ultimately this old like this old line of never judge a book by its cover is intrinsically flawed solely because a whole team of people have sat down to create a cover that you can judge that book by and I don't really understand why people would go let's make a fiction cover for this non-fiction. Um, I think there's ways that you could have done a beautiful blue thing with a lovely polar bear and it's still been clearer what it was. Like at first, I genuinely thought I was holding a book by Philip Pullman that I'd never heard of, which was unusual. 
Um, and then I got confused by there being two authors. Yeah, it doesn't just fill it, Pullman and these dark materials at the bottom of the page. It doesn't say about. No, yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, but I was, you know, on, on that point, I was just thinking, well, if you wrote a book say, about the Discworld novelty, you'd probably still expect a sort of Josh Kirby-esque cover. It was probably still look like it was a fictional... They yes. don't, though. Well, no, I know, but... They're, it's quite clear that they're not Discworld novels. Okay. But it is, it is, it, this is straddling that weird boundary, isn't it? Because it's yeah. a non-fiction book about fiction. Philip Pullman's name is bigger than Nicholas Tucker's. Mm. Bit unfair. But also, it's the sort of thing that I would like pick up, look at, and then go, ooh, and then buy anywhere because I like oh, reading essays. That's the thing. I think if you if you like reading stuff like that, this is probably going to be great. Um, I think it's actually... It's not all the time that you get to read an essay about um, some fiction that you love that's actually written by people who know that person. You know what that book sort of is? That book is... Because I think that's going to get filed on the bookshelf in your bookshop near Philip Pullman's Dark Materials. And I think you're going to have an aunt wandering confusedly yeah. into a bookshop in mid-December. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my niece likes him. I will buy this because it's plainly related. So my brother has uh, several copies of The Unfinished Tale- Tales uh, by J.R. Tolkien, which is actually by Christopher Tolkien, because uh, his 11-year-old little brother, that would be me, uh, went, oh, hasn't got those and he likes Tolkien. Yeah. Um, and you know, I wonder if he can get them signed. No, Ed. And you know, Frank going, oh, in a kind of, I'm excited, but I know these exist, and I haven't picked them up in the first place. Because, yeah. Because I'm not that excited, and then he read them anyway. And he found them to be lovely, um, but you know, still. Because yeah, when did this come out? I it's. I think it's coming out. Is it coming? Okay. So by the time the show show is first alive. published in the UK in two thousand three. Oh right. wow! Gosh, what? So this edition was published in the UK in two thousand seventeen. Okay. So again, it's a reissue. I think if people have read it, they were people were going to read it. They've already read it. I don't think people were going to read this again just because. Um, also, also does that not up. suggest that like the Philip Pullman Centre was like fourteen years ago? And what on earth? That's a very long time ago. Linear time. Yeah, yeah. This isn't even to time out with time with was it the Golden Compass the movies? To no, movies? the Book of Dust comes out soon. Oh, okay. Sorry, it is a that no, it is a movie tie-in thing. Next bet. So I have in my hand Alien Covenant, a Ooh. novel by Alan Dean Foster, and what we have is is very black. Hmm. It's fair. the same. Black's probably the right colour for it. It's the yeah. same image on the back as it is on the front, but there's words on the back, so you can't see the image. And it's a Geiger's alien, very Geiger, giant dark woolly monster. Um, it's a woolly monster. That's you know it is. Um, with a smile uh, and teeth, uh, and some poor chap being bottled by the the face huggers. Those aren't hugs. Uh, the, the face hugger. And it's uh, the official movie novelisation of Alien Covenant in smaller letters. Um, okay. Now, hang on, remind me, which one's Alien Covenant? The one that just came out. The one that uh, just came out that ruins the entire series. Right. Oh, see, I'd I'm never heard reading good that. things about it. Because I've not seen it, but I heard good things about it. But at the same time, I don't think it was difficult after... Um, Prometheus. Yeah, after Prometheus, that Covenant was... 
not going to be better than Prometheus. We went. I, I went to see Prometheus with producer Mal, mostly because friends of ours were moving away, and it was going to get a chance to hang out with a whole bunch of people we hadn't seen in ages. And we ended up going to see it, and mm. producer Al hadn't realised it was an alien movie. Uh, I didn't realise you weren't supposed to know it was an alien movie, and like I, I found out after I watched it that people it was supposed to be a big surprise. I'm like, but all the marketing suggested it was an alien movie. I've not seen Covenant either. I'm told what it does is it removes a lot of the element of mystery from the whole series. But I thought that was the point. Yeah, I thought people knew that before they went in. But that's kind of I like the mystery. Yeah, a lot of people basically went. But we like the you know, it wasn't worth the swap. Sometimes it's worth yeah. the swap. You know, you lose the mystery, but it's like, oh, actually, uh, I've discovered something about Luke Skywalker's father that I didn't know. You know, <laughs> gosh, uh, and that that so maybe maybe worth the swap. Yeah, the trick with the question like that is, you know, is is you've got to have it if you're going to try and pose that kind of kind of question of what is the answer. Make it a bloody interesting answer. Yes, or oh, one that asks even more questions. Yeah. If you want to really go, I have so many more questions. That hasn't helped at all. Good, you've done well. Well yeah. done. Um, yeah, also it's very small. Again. But that's, can... but that's classic, isn't it, for novelisation tying film things? Like hand sized. Really... Yeah, and it's but, all... is, but also, is that an American sized paperback? It is, well, it's tight. Well, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the yeah. smaller bath market. And it's got a face, face hugger. As the chapter markers, there's oh. that, which is lovely. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm never going to read that. No. It's it's Alan Dean Foster. I can read it in about an hour. He said not bragging because it's Alan Dean Foster. I've read, I think I've read all of them. I don't think I've read And it's a lovely cover, but I ain't never going to read that. Uh, let's go back to the pile. What have you got in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> Producer Al is going to enjoy this. That's one. a. How do, you, how do you spell that title? Yeah. Because we need to use we need, we need an episode title for the episode. For, yeah. I can't spell. Uh. Ha! <laughs> Lol! I've just seen the title. Brilliant. <laughs> so, okay. so it's called. Deep breath. <laughs> it's called Basic Witches. <laughs> it's like Basic Bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see what they've done there? Clever. Uh, subtitle: How to summon success, banish drama, and raise hell with your coven. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, it's black and purple and gold. Um, uh, it has uh, sun and moon symbols on it. It's got sun, moon, it's got crystals that are blatantly supposed to look like a penis and balls. <laughs> uh, it's got a heart with made out of wood. Uh, it's got somebody who's plainly supposed to be a modern young witch holding a mobile phone and a black cats and candles and hands with symbols on them that definitely aren't anything to do with palmistry um right according to the little bit on the bottom of the book on the back this is a lifestyle publication coming in september 2017 uh give your life some hex appeal oh god yes Yes! I can already tell if this was like an ITV2 programme at like 7pm I'd wait for it to be on Netflix and watch the whole thing in like two hours and yeah. love it because it was so terrible. Now, <laughs> yeah, actually, now I've had, I've had because I've, I've, this book has been sat on my knee for some time, um, I've had a quick look uh, at the thing on the back cover and I've had a quick flick through. Um, this contains an awful lot um, of what Nanny Og would call headology. 
um, and an awful lot of sort of focusing and a bit of uh, keep fit and stuff um, and a lot of what some people would probably call militant jackbooted feminism. But um, Alice just flicked the book open and there's a chapter called Find Your Colours. Yeah, um, and it's pro-female, it's pro female, which is uh, fantastic, obviously. Choosing the broomstick for you. Okay, sorry. But that broomstick was in, it was in speech marks. Yeah, um, <laughs> I saw that. Oh, no! There, there Does was... that mean sex toys? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fly oh, away, fly away. away. Okay, um, Delta may have accidentally sold this book to the to the listeners. <laughs> um, I think if you went through and read it, actually, it would be a fair amount of self empowerment, self help, focusing, making your life better, eliminating eliminating negative stuff. But it's dressed up in this sort of faux North American. So, witchy stuff yeah, that question. slightly makes me cringe. Yeah, it's not. I'm assuming it's not actually based. It's not kind of targeting actual like witches or young pagan girls or anything. It's trying to create a self help book for young women. Yes, using analogies from that sort of thing. Yeah. It- Interesting. Yes. No. You're right. The choosing the boomstick for you is about sex toys. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Wasn't there a thing about the Harry Potter vibrating... Stop it! Right. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, okay, so we're currently in another wave of feminism. I've lost count. Is it 4th? 5th? 47th. 47th. We're in a wave of feminism right now because it comes in it comes in kind of... You know, movements, all social movements do, but it comes in different different editions mm. as a society evolves. And essentially, feminism pops up, wins one fight, like the vote, disappears, pops up, wins another fight, like, you know, more rights, and then disappears as the generation and it keeps popping up until people get the message eventually. And we're a long way still ahead of that kind of generational struggle. Mm. But anyway, um, the previous edition of feminism had a thing called Dionic Witchcraft in it, which is essentially very, very, very feminist slash lesbian. Um, and it was books like, it's okay, basically, books that were basically you know, how, to, how to be in touch with your inner moon. But they were essentially, it's okay to be a lesbian, it's okay to not be a Christian, it's okay to be a feminist, was pretty much their, yeah. their thing. And I'm looking at that, and given how... The current river feminism is much trendier. It's much mm. poppy. It's much more poppy. It's much more. They, it's almost like they've been. Someone's kind of sat back and gone, you know what? If this is going to work, we need to make it fashionable. And they've looked at how to utilize that and how to put feminism into pop culture and fashion. Yeah, I've had a quick flick through because we alighted on the broomstick chapter. So I've had a quick flick through of the pages around that and it is very positive for young girls about this is some stuff about sex and contraception and the things you need to be saying um, and how you need to say it and stuff which I think is a message for young women that is often um, not publicised as well as it should be Mm -hmm. Um, especially my understanding is is in America where the whole notion of young people talking about sex is uh, horrifying to a lot of people yeah there are whole sections in america where schools are only allowed to teach abstinence yeah because that's ever worked <laughs> <sighs> I, 
But but anyway, um, so I I think the cover is slightly doing it a misservice. I uh, thought it was fiction at first. It wasn't until you started actually discussing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's also uh, it's, it's an arc, so it does. So you know things might change slightly. Um, I think that's pretty much what you get. I think it might be a hardcover if you buy it in the shops. Yeah. Um, there is a page called Nail Arts to Terrify Men. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Men aren't coming out of this well. No. Uh, which makes me like it slightly more. Uh, I, I remember as a, when I was a teenager reading the the my generation's version of those books and being faintly terrified by it, but also going, okay, so that's that. It's not for me. Yeah, in summary. <laughs> In summary, I am undecided about this cover, and it does make me want to flick through it and find out exactly what it's about, so I suppose on that level it's doing its job. Uh, but obviously, if I therefore saw it on a popular online retailer of books, I'd probably swipe left or whatever. Would you buy it for any young women you knew at a weird age? If there was a twelve-year-old, like looking for it, and this a section saying, on sex toys. <laughs> looking at a thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old prepubescent yeah. um, niece, um, especially one that had been in a slightly less, more conservative religious environment. Yeah, why not? Yeah, because they're gonna want to know about it anyway, and you might as well might as well pull something out of them sex education. I don't know if you'd agree. <sighs> I'd maybe go 16. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm massively undecided about it. See, I think I think depending, it depends on the person, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, is so it? Oh, very much. Sometimes 16 is way too late. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose it, it would depend on what the rest of it is teaching. Well, one of them is con- about all about consent. I've just opened it on the page. That's good. Yeah, yeah. There's some very positive stuff in there, but I am slightly confused about who the audience is. Yeah, I just, it's just opened on the page. Rich history: the myth of Mother Shipton. He was from Yorkshire, but that's obviously made for an American audience as well. The whole book. Yes, I want to talk about Wookie Hall, but it's not the show to do that. Also, uh, that's in in Somerset. Yeah, yeah. indeed. And poor Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You've got a book there. I have got a book there. So that, I'm just still recovering from that last line. Um, right, this book looks like it was released in the 80s. <laughs> it it looks, does. It looks like Stranger Things. It, has it does, word, yes, yes, thank you. Yes, it has the label VHS at the bottom of it. It's called My Best Friend's Exorcism, written by uh, Grady Hendrix, author of Horror Store. Uh, there's a description on the front page. If the Exorcist had been authored by Tina Fey instead of William Peter Batty, it might have borne an uncanny resemblance to what Grady Hendrix has accomplished with My Best Friend's Exorcism. Okay. This this does scream, hey, we noticed that Stranger Things is popular. Yes. Yeah. So we've got... People like the 80s. So there's... Yes, yeah, so we have a spectrum of, you know, just... Oh, it's just, so just, just, Yeah, just a panel of rainbow uh, on, along the spine. Um, Colourful vision. It's colourful vision. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but there's stickers. There's stickers printed on it that look like they're stickers actually on the book. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah. And and the rest. The the edges look like they're supposed to be. This is supposed to be a, 
uh, an aged VHS cassette. Um, yeah, and so it also has a sticker on it that says a novel. <laughs> and also, be kind, please rewind. Oh. Okay. And a smiley face. So it's, it's a higher video from Blockbuster. Yeah. Um, from the picture, I couldn't tell you anything about that. No, I mean, there's a couple of, I'm guessing they're kids, with a lot of coloured balloons next to a lake with a boat with on with it. With a creepy shadow. Yeah, and a weird it. building on the opposite side of it with a clock tower. And the, 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 the large woman at the top of the thing has red, bright red eyes. And there are owls. It looks a bit choosy on adventure. Yeah. No. Yes. No. That. There's so is. much going on on that. There cover, is a lot. Which I mean, counted in itself is quite eighties. Um. Oh my word! I'm reading the little press releasey thing. This book packs all the move magic of a summer horror flick. Um. And there is a photo at the top of the ink, which is definitely sort of mm. grainy. In that this is an eighties movie. Yeah. Is this based on an eighties? I like movie? that. Even the like the ISBN. Uh, box at the bottom is like eight that cream yeah. color that kind of your videos would go if they were near yeah. the I sun. To, I have to say that I can I can feel the the, the actual room itself starting to collapse into this. So I think we're gonna have to run into another book room very shortly. Oh. Um, but I think the next room we run into is gonna have more books to judge. Okay, so yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, this has photo art. People they've, they've taken pictures for this cook. There are actually photos. Yeah. Where, but it doesn't actually say anywhere this is based on a movie. So they've actually set photos up for this, which is... Is it actually old? Uh, not if you look on the copyright page, like, is this a new book? I'm, I'm looking. I'm... I'm reading the little um, press releasey thing. And the fact that it says Tina Fey and it suggests no, but first paper of the Academy, no, Quirk Books 2017. Yes, yeah, so uh, No, originally published in 2016, so. Yeah. yeah. So nostalgia, it's it's banking on that big nostalgia about, uh, yeah. it, no, yeah. it's in, no, it's entirely banging on Stranger Things because I'm reading the press release. Uh, Suddenly Gretchen is a completely different person and to make things worse, strange things keep happening wherever she's nearby and strange things is bold and underlined. No. So that ain't even subtle, my friend. Oh dear. Ka-ching! Yeah, this this reminds me of uh, just looking at it. Strikes me as that kind of you know they're, they're trying to evoke Stephen King without mentioning Stephen King <laughs> and that entire thing. Um, so you think same thing? I was thinking Labyrinth. <laughs> but, but, it does. It has a similar setup uh, in, in the image mm. to Jareth at the top. Yeah, like in the labyrinth with Sarah running away. It's got yeah. fun, it's got a review from Fangoria here. I think that's a decent sign. Um, is it me or is this room starting to collapse in upon itself again Um, Ah! right Uh, and there is a bunny there and it's looking excited so I think we're going to um, we haven't asked you to like subscribe share we have we're on Facebook you can find us you can find us on the Wonky Spanner you can find us on Starburst Magazine on Instagram Um, you can find us on Instagram. If you don't, if you haven't listened to it because they've been plugging us recently, uh, you should also listen to the Starburst Magazine podcast with uh, Hi Mike, Hi Martin, Hi Chris, Hi the rest of you. Uh, you should also listen to Fab Radio International. I have to be dragged away from the microphone whilst I'm still plugging because this room is not safe and we should go. So until next time, bye. 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 bye.